Well, it's been a good Sunday so far. I hope you enjoy the testimonies and the children as much as I do. Um, what Miss Donna doesn't know is Pastor Bruce is going to talk as long as he wants to anyhow. So, uh, uh, no, we're going to, we are continuing in our time uh, in the 40 days of prayer, but uh, I thought it was kind of fitting to start our Manifest Moment Sunday on the same Sunday that we're talking about prayer as spiritual warfare because of what uh, it talks about in Revelations of how we defeat the enemy. Uh, and man, we win a lot of battles by speaking out the testimonies of what God is doing in our lives because it's very common, it's very easy to not see what God is doing. Uh, around us I, I my wife and I we just recently purchased a flex from our fa- one of our family members and I would have told you said I know that the Iraqis have a flex but I don't think anybody else in town has a flex but now that I have one I see them everywhere why because I'm looking for them because I, I my eyes are open for this thing now uh, and I think that applies pretty uh pretty well to spiritual warfare. We can say, oh, it's not happening around us or God's not really doing anything around us, but then we begin to open our eyes we look around and we see God moving in powerful ways, but also we may see the enemy working around us as well. So what comes to your mind when, we, when you think of spiritual warfare? Uh, my experience, I find uh, many people fall into one of the two categories, one of what I would call the two extremes. One would be, I don't like to talk about or think about all of that mumbo jumbo. I'm just going to ignore it. I don't like it. Uh, and the second extreme would be, uh, my car wouldn't start this morning, so obviously I am under incredible spiritual assault from the enemy because my car wouldn't start, even though I know that I was supposed to take it in for an oil change seven months ago. Uh, this must be the enemy attacking me. To the first person who thinks it's all mumbo-jumbo, I would refer them to First Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. It says, be serious, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him and be firm in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. This isn't just something we talk about because we have nothing better to talk about. This is in the word of God that there is a spiritual war happening, and so it's not mumbo-jumbo. We can't just ignore it. To the second person, I would refer them to James chapter 1, verses 12 to 15. It says, a man who endures trials is blessed because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God, for God is not tempted by evil and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. To those who think everything is an attack and every conversation you have with them oh this is going wrong and the enemy's attacking me this says to consider it basically a privilege that we would experience trials for the lord and so to have a positive outlook if any of you have ever read anybody ever read c.s lewis's screw tape letters all right good it's an awesome book in his books uh screw tape letters c.s lewis says there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. That always stuck with me. Uh, And if you've never read 
the book Screw Tape Letters. Man, I would highly recommend it as a book to pick up and read. It's a, it's a relatively short book. It's a fictional work. Uh, it's meant to uh, kind of depict, obviously, in a fictional way. Uh, it's like a junior demon writing to a senior demon asking how he can best distract and, and uh, mess up the person that he's in charge of. Uh, and so it's an interesting look into what could be possibly happening in the spiritual realms. But I love C.S. Lewis. I've read just about everything he ever wrote. Uh, he's a phenomenal uh, mind uh, for the Christian faith, but uh, I would highly recommend pick that book up. Uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about spiritual warfare and you want to get into that, um, it's a great book. <clears throat> but I would agree with what C.S. Lewis uh, talks about with the dangers of focusing too much or too little on the demonic activity all around us. It is a reality that we must contend with. It's not something that you can just ignore. If you were uh, in the middle of an actual war, if you were in a foxhole and you just decided one day, you know what? Tired of this? I don't believe in it anymore and I'm just going to ignore it's all happening. I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, You probably won't make it very long uh, because you're going to get up, you're going to try to walk away and something's going to happen to you because there's a war raging all around you and uh, though you might choose to ignore it, they're not going to. The enemy is not going to ignore the battle and so they will take you out. In Ephesians chapter 6 verses 12 and 13 It says, for our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up, must take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. This is something I feel that uh, many believers have not done. They have not taken their stand. They continue to be taken out, beat up, and messed up by the enemy because they are not following what the Word of God says and actually engaging in this. As we look at prayer as spiritual warfare today, we're gonna use Jesus' model of prayer to look at the two different aspects he brings up uh, in his model. Matthew chapter six, verse 13 says, and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. First thing to notice is if you are following along in your own copy of God's word and you're not reading um, uh, from the same translation that we're using, uh, the HCSB, You'll notice that in some translations, you don't even get that part that's in the brackets uh, because it's not supposed to be there. Uh, There's a couple places in the scriptures that we already know about. It's not like it's hidden to us. Uh, This was added after Matthew wrote his uh, version of his eyewitness accounts and after he wrote his gospel. Um, This was added much later um, to his book. Uh, If you were ever taught to say the Lord's Prayer, you probably said that last part um, and it was added in at some point. doesn't change what it's saying, but just pointing it out there that that's not uh, actually in there. But as we look at the part that's supposed to be there, uh, Jesus models two different statements in this verse. Do not bring us into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. So let's look at the first part. What does it mean to ask God not to bring us into temptation? Does that mean, based on the, the statement here, that God will lead us into temptation if we, ask him, if we don't ask him not to? Is that what this means? 
Well, let's go back to the passage in James. James chapter one, verses 12 to 15. It says, a man who endures trials is blessed because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God. That doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Let's keep going. For God is not tempted by evil and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin has, is fully grown, it gives birth to death. So we know that God doesn't tempt us. And that right here in the word of God, it tells us we cannot say to God that you are tempting us, that God is the one that tempted us. And so uh, we also have to understand, um, you know, I'm not big on, well, the Greek in the Bible says this. Um, but there is a Greek word here um, that we translate. Some translations will say temptation. Um, most of you probably memorize the, the Lord's model of prayer as temptation. Lead us not into temptation. Um, but this word can mean temptation or trial. It can be used for either one of those. So what Jesus is encouraging us not to do or, or to ask God to not do is to bring us into trials or places where we're tempted. It's actively thinking about and asking God that as we follow him, that he wouldn't lead us places that, uh, are, that we're vulnerable to with either what, whether you want to refer to it as a trial or a temptation. When I thought about how this applied to my own life, uh, I thought of my son, Killian. You saw him running around here a little bit this morning. Uh, more than once, I have definitely looked at him and told him, don't test me right now, boy. Uh, and I always say it so calmly like that. Uh, I've never raised my voice ever. That's a lie. Um, I'm already in spiritual warfare. Uh, but I've definitely told him, don't test me right now. Is it because I'm afraid that I'm gonna fail the test? that I'm gonna do something evil and horrible to my son, uh, maybe a little. I'm a little afraid that I'm gonna fail the test and I'm gonna yell and scream or do something, say something, um, that my blood pressure is gonna go up a little too high. But it has more to deal with the fact that I don't want to put in the mental and emotional energy into a test at that moment. Uh, some of you might know I practice martial arts. Uh, I have been teaching martial arts for a, a little while now, and uh, I really enjoy it. I love knowing uh, martial arts. I love self-defense. If any of you are ever interested in self-defense, let me know. We'll do a self-defense course. Uh, but I, I've enjoyed that because I've traveled a lot, and I found myself in some pretty shady places from time to time, and it's nice to know that should I be tested, I'm fairly confident I can pass that test if I needed to protect myself or defend myself. Now, would it be wise and intelligent of me to constantly go around looking for fights? No, it would not. So though I am confident, uh, or at least somewhat more, more confident than when I started martial arts that I can pass that test, it's silly and, and not intelligent of someone who has that skill to go around and look for fights. Actually, as a matter of fact, uh, the people who you should really be afraid of are the ones that know how not to get in a fight and know how to diffuse the situation before it gets there because they don't feel the need to be tested. And so I, I thought about these principles and whether it has to deal with Killian and, and, and as a parent or, or in martial arts, I thought, man, these, this is very applicable. Though I feel like I could pass the test, I'm not looking for a test or a trial today in that area. Every parent knows how exhausting it, it, it can be 
when your kids are just having one of those days where they're frequently bringing you into temptation, giving you the, that test and trial. It doesn't mean that we have to sin. It just increases the likelihood that we will, the likelihood that we're gonna lose our cool, that we're gonna lose our temper and say something out of anger. Even when it comes to the temptation or trials that the Lord does allow uh, us to pass through, we know in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. The reality, the truth in this is you have never faced a temptation that was too much for you to handle. The reason you gave in is because you wanted to. You can never say, well, it was just too much. There's no way I could have avoided that. There's no way that I could have dealt with that in a godly way. And you need to read the gospel again. You need to understand the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, there's no way you could have But had you leaned into the power of the Holy Spirit, had you leaned into your relationship with God, yes, you absolutely could have endured that. Um, Sometimes we wait until we've already given in to the temptation and we've we've fantasized about it and we've and we've been in that place for a while, and then we ask God to rescue us, and it's we've gone too far into it already. We're not actually asking God to rescue us, we just don't want to feel guilty. We can always escape temptation before it becomes sin and I want to point out there there's a difference between temptation and sin at temptation is where the enemy will begin to hit you and and shame you and say oh how dare you I can't believe you're tempted in that way how shameful you are that you haven't reached sin at the temptation level. At that point, that's when we turn to God. That's when we ask for the Holy Spirit to help us. That's when we invite in, hopefully, friends, people that we know that, that can keep us accountable and hold us accountable to things, and we invite them in and say, hey, man, I'm having, I'm having a rough time right now. Can you pray for me? And when we can ourselves also, obviously, engage in that place of prayer as spiritual warfare. But it's good sense to ask the Lord not to take us into any more temptation and testing than is necessary for our growth. I don't know about you, I was a terrible student, I despised school, and so I always hated tests, and I never looked forward to a test. I don't know, maybe there's some weird people out there that loved tests, and they would have loved more tests, but I wasn't one of them. I did not like them. And so this makes a lot of sense to me to to ask the Lord, to not take me into that place of temptation uh, all the while knowing that there will be times that God takes us through trials, that he brings us through dark places and dark times to grow our faith, to be stretched and grow uh, in our relationship with him. And I believe that when we engage in prayer in that place of temptation, that God will answer that prayer because the word tells us that he himself understands temptation. Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Isn't that awesome? That Jesus came. He was 100% human and 100% God, so he understands what temptation is like. I don't know if you ever processed this, but when Jesus goes at least into the wilderness, we know Jesus was tempted. 
He wasn't above temptation. Because of his humanity, he was able to be tempted, but he succeeded in every moment, in every time that he was tempted. He succeeded in leaning into the power of God just as an example for us of how we should live. You are not gonna make it through life whether you're a great Christian or a moderate Christian or a baby Christian. You're not gonna make it without temptation. It's going to happen. But each of those opportunities, is, it is an opportunity to lean into your relationship with God. So we know we can pray with confidence for God to not lead us into temptation. The reality is, however, that we will find ourselves in a place of temptation and testing in our lives. So what do we do when we find ourselves in that place. Well, that's what the next statement in Jesus' model of prayer is all about. Again, Matthew chapter 6, verse 13 says, and do not bring us into temptation, that's the first part, but deliver us from the evil one, it says. When we find ourselves being attacked by the evil one, we should not lean into our own strength and power, but into the Holy Spirit. It's very easy to lean into our own strength and say, I'm gonna fight this and, and I'm gonna work really hard. And, and if you've been a Christian long enough, you realize how futile that is, how often you will fail because you lean into your own strength or power. First John 4, 4 says, you are from God little children and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world notice this doesn't say you are greater than all the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms it doesn't say that but it says the one in you Jesus, the Holy Spirit, uh, the God who resides in you can give you the strength and he is greater and so it would make obvious common sense to lean into the Holy Spirit in moments when we're feeling tempted. We have access to the power of God. Why would we lean into our own strength when we're faced with a temptation or trial? If you don't have a common practice of going to God in prayer, when you find yourself in temptation, when you find yourself in a difficult place or in a trial, that's why you keep failing. You wonder why, man, why do I keep failing in that way? It's because you're not leaning into God. You're leaning into yourself. Because trying harder is never going to work. It doesn't. It might take you a long time like it took me to figure that out, but just trying harder, just putting more effort into your skills. Notice it says the fruit of the Spirit in the Word of God, not the fruit of Bruce. It doesn't, God's not interested in improving and, and upgrading the fruit uh, that I produce, but it's me leaning into the fruit he produces. That's what produces change. It's only by leaning into our relationship with God that we can be successful. He's given us, it says, every tool we need. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. That's a reality. We have the tools. Now we just have to put them into practice. Now, I have a bunch of tools in my garage. Uh, I know almost nothing about what to do with a car other than to figure out what the noise is and then to make that for the guy on the phone. Um, that's my best method I've found so far. Um, but I, I have the tools. I just don't know how to apply them to the vehicle to make it do what it's supposed to do. And so I take it to someone who does. Having the tools doesn't 
mean you have the knowledge of how to utilize them. I've met a lot of people who read the word of God all the time and have no idea how to put it into practice. There's a reason that Paul explains so thoroughly the armor of God in Ephesians because we can't use man-made tools to accomplish uh, or to fight spiritual battles. It doesn't work. Your efforts, your disciplines, all the things that you do uh, aren't going to help you win spiritual battles. Ephesians chapter six, verses 12 to 13 says, for our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand if you want to keep ignoring spiritual truths spirit and the the battle in the spiritual realms i can promise you you will not be able to take your stand against satan while you ignore the battle that is waged all around you and inside of you talks about it in romans about how there's, there's this war now that happens and Miss Donna very accurately explained to the kids this battle that will always be there. Do I do the right thing and do what God wants or do I give in to my evil desires and the whispers of the enemy and the lies of the enemy? Which of those? That's a battle. That's spiritual warfare that's happening inside of us all the time. But there's also spiritual warfare that happens all around us. Look at how Paul encourages us to prepare for the daily battle we face. Ephesians chapter six, uh, continuing verses 14 to 18. It says, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the shield of faith, and with it you will be able to extinguish, extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Man, this is Christian, Christian spiritual warfare 101 right here. He lays it out perfectly for us. We could do a whole series on the armor of God and maybe that's something we're gonna do. But I would encourage, encourage you, if you don't have a personal habit and discipline of studying the word of God, you need to. You're losing the battle if you don't know how to study the word of God. Then I, and what I wanna encourage you into is studying the, the uh, armor of God that he's talking about here in Ephesians because it's really awesome. I mean, this is not just like a cool like little picture that they can draw you up for and point arrows to. Like there's so much here. There's so many truths and realities in the armor of God. Uh, one of my favorites that people point out is there's nothing for your back. And some will say, well, that's because you can't run away from the enemy. It's like, well, okay. What I think it's more applicable is when I think about uh, uh, having studied the Roman version of war, and how they learned to link themselves together and fight in a way that they couldn't be broken. And so that's how they took over the world is through these units that were so linked together uh, with these shields that they had and the way that they did it, they were unstoppable because they linked together. And that's how the community of God is meant to be, not to have spiritual acquaintances at this place called Dubois Alliance Church, but to have people we can link arms with and really do battle with in a way that none of us is just gonna give up and run away. We're gonna link arms and we're gonna fight this together. 
That's why I believe there's nothing on the back for people. It's because there's meant to be a person there. There's meant to be somebody. You're supposed to be in community with others. That's how you defend from attacks that you can't see is to have people speaking into your life. Because this is how God will deliver us from the evil one. In community, through his word, So what can we take away from what we talked about today? What do we do with this? How do we apply this stuff to our lives? Because again, like we do every Sunday, if we don't learn how to put this into practice, then you have wasted your time. Because just hearing information, just if I went and bought a new tool for my car to put in my garage, I have wasted my money. Because I still don't know how to use that thing to do anything with my car. Well, for application, I want to look at how Jesus applied these principles when he was tempted in the wilderness. If you know Jesus went out into the wilderness for 40 days, no drink, no food, uh, and the enemy comes to attack him in that place. First off, Jesus was led by and filled by the Spirit. If you aren't in that place, you will lose your battles all the time. You must be led by and filled with the Spirit. The Word tells us to be filled with the Spirit. That means an emptying of yourself, an emptying of your own will, as we just heard from all uh, the testimonies today. Often when we have a plan, we say, I'm not gonna do this, God. God says, okay. Well, the reason you don't wanna do that, we don't think about this. The reason you don't wanna do that, because the enemy already knows it's God's plan for you. And so he's created this desire in you not to do that thing. I think we, we can joke about it and we can often say like, yeah, you know, I told God I wasn't gonna do it so he made me do it. No, 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 the enemy made you not wanna do it because he knew that's where God was taking you. And so he tried to create this evil desire in you not to want what God wants. That's why we must be led by God and filled with the Spirit. Number two, Jesus was committed to fasting and prayer. You cannot read the Gospels without being met with this reality that Jesus often went off to pray. It was a regular practice of his to be, to quiet all the noise, to quiet even his ministry. Jesus could have healed more people, but he saw the importance and the necessity of going off to pray and to being alone with the Lord and praying with him. Number three, Jesus used scripture for his defense. Jesus resisted the devil's temptations with an accurate knowledge of scripture, which was a powerful weapon against the temptation of Satan. However, it's not just knowledge that Jesus has. Notice that when, if you read Jesus' account in the wilderness, when the enemy tempts him and he comes at him with the uh, word of God, he doesn't just quote the scripture. He quotes the application of the scripture. Jesus didn't just have a knowledge of scripture, but how it applied to his life. That was such an important part of his battle with the enemy. So for us, put on the full armor of God. If you don't know what that is, then you need to do some studying. You need to become uh, clear and, and have a clear understanding of what the full armor of God is and what it means to be equipped with the full armor of God. Be led by and be filled with the Holy Spirit. These are things that you can't discipline your way into. You just need to be with him. You need to spend time with the Lord. I'm, if you know me, I'm a big 
proponent of disciplines. I love disciplines. I'm a very disciplined person, and so uh, I love those, but I can't just set a clock or set a a to-do list that's gonna make me be led by the Spirit. It's a humbling work as we sit before him and as he leads us and as, as we give up our will for his will. And then to be filled with the Spirit, man, there's nothing that can, that can take the place of that. Have a regular discipline of fasting in prayer. It's shocking to me how few believers have ever fasted. They have no concept of this basic spiritual discipline. Read the Gospels, read the book of Acts, Count how many times when they're making a decision they fast and they pray because it's a regular discipline and it should be a regular discipline for every single Christian. Now, you might say, because I hear this a lot, well, I have a condition. Okay. I understand you have a condition. That doesn't give us an excuse not to fast and pray. Doesn't mean you have to fast from, it can be whatever the Lord leads you into and there is no, you should do this or you shouldn't do that. Uh, But have a regular discipline of fasting and prayer. Let 2023 be the year you finally decide that you're going to follow the basic disciplines of the faith and have a regular discipline of fasting and prayer. And then I would encourage you, know the word of God. Don't just read it. I, I, honestly, I'm loving this year's Bible reading because you guys are getting so interactive in, in our Bible reading plan together. You guys are putting up comments about what, how, how it's applying to your life or you know, how you're processing it, and I love it. It's the best year we've had so far in, in our Bible reading plan. If you don't have a Bible reading plan, text us, call us, email me. I'll get you set up with it, and you'll be on our plan with us. Uh, we're reading it through on the YouVersion Bible app. It's fantastic, but I love when we're talking about how it applies to our life because that means we're going beyond just reading information. And we're applying it. We're learning how does that work lived out. An excellent tool I would recommend to you, whether you're a reader or not, I encourage you to buy a book. Uh, It's called uh, Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Rochelle. I love Craig. I love a lot of his stuff. But uh, man, it's an excellent book. If you want to learn about how to apply practical disciplines to spiritual warfare and engage in practical ways and spiritual ways and how those two, I've never read a book that was better in in merging those two together. Um, It's a slow read uh, because there's work to do. You have work to do in that. But I would highly recommend Craig Rochelle's book, Winning the War in Your Mind. If you think about that and you forget the name because his name is really strange and spelling it is a chore, uh, just text me, email us, whatever call the office and we'll we'll get you the name um, so that you can have that book I I would highly recommend one of my most highly recommended book in the area of spiritual disciplines or spiritual warfare but most importantly and I'll close with this lean into your relationship with God through prayer and see what he'll do my hope is in a month's time when we have our next manifest moments that we share some amazingly powerful things that God is doing. We continue to, because today was awesome, and I love this. And honestly, any Sunday, I'm willing to just throw the sermon right out. I'm okay with that. If we have a testimony time that goes the whole time, ah, praise the Lord. Because I'd rather hear uh, you guys talk about what God's doing in your life and sharing, because church was not meant to be a spectator sport. It's participatory. And so participate in it. Come with your stories ready to go. If Susan can share, anybody can share. She absolutely hated it, thought it was gonna be the worst thing in the world, and she did it. And God blessed her in that uh, through sharing. So uh, thank you for today. Thank you for engaging in the testimonies and, and, and engaging in that battle. But I encourage you this week, 
begin, if, you've, if you don't have a regular discipline of praying, pray. If you don't have a regular discipline of fasting, learn what that means. Learn how to fast and pray. Learn that basic spiritual discipline. But most importantly, learn how to pray for the battle that's going on inside of you and all around you. Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you for who you are, God. You would just love us so much and you're so patient with us and you're so kind to us and you get that we're messed up and we make mistakes and we don't always get it right and we have problems and um, there's some of us that focus too little on spiritual warfare and there's some of us that focus too much on it, God, and I pray that you would give us a healthy understanding, that you would give us the wisdom, the knowledge, the discernment to know when the, the battle is, is, is waged around us and how we can engage that as believers that we would learn how to take back ground and things that the enemy has robbed us of. Your word says that he, he, he prowls around like a roaring lion. He seeks to devour, to kill, to, to destroy, and he has done that in our lives. And some of us don't know why we're so miserable, why things are so difficult, why we're so depressed, why we're so angry, why we're so hurt. It's because the enemy has done what he likes to do. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, give us clarity as we look at what's going on inside and around us. And we would engage in community with others. And we would take back ground the enemy has robbed us of, has destroyed and has sought to, to rob us of. Lord, I pray that you would bless us with clarity as we go today. That this would be a year of spiritual transformation for us. That we would walk in the way that you have called us to walk. We would link arms with the fellow brothers and sisters in our church family and we would begin winning the battles around us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, if you're somebody who's newer to our church family, you've never been to a next lunch, I wanna encourage you to the fellowship hall for lunch and those of you that are ministry leaders, uh, meet us over there and we'll see you over there. Have a great week.